The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Glad you could join me today. We are uh, going to uh, examine a very hands-on topic, and that is perfect peace and seeing the hand of God. Uh, Our text is from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, which simply states, You, that is God, will keep in perfect peace the mind stayed on you, for he trusts in you. We will look at four aspects that can be challenging for the believer to know in a moment-by-moment experience what it is to walk with God while simultaneously being at peace. The first is uh, intention. Intention. What would happen if I deliberately strove to not worry and wholly determined to trust God implicitly with unwavering determination. What would my day be like? What would be my emotional experience? Practically speaking, what or how would my sleep patterns change? Would there be a change in my attitude? Isaiah says, God will keep in perfect peace the mind the heart of the person stayed on him because that person is trusting in him. And so today's podcast is devoted to encouraging believers to actively trust God in every, and I repeat, every circumstance that occurs today and the succeeding 15 to 30 days. Our objective is to transition into a daily walk with God and learning to trust him moment by moment for every and all outcomes, and especially for grace, wisdom, understanding, as well as discernment for decisions to be made in the immediate time frame. So that's, that's a tall order, but that's our objective. We've often confessed in times past that, and we've said it, I trust God. I have faith in God. But often we do so in a very general way. Meanwhile, the time frame between our confession and the conclusion of the matter, whatever the event is, that event or the, that, that, that caption is pregnant with frequent intervals of anxiety and worry. And so this, this podcast uh, today uh, tackles uh, the, the challenge of taking active steps against worry and learning to trust implicitly in God's providential care in any circumstance, 
Now, there will be an exercise given at the end of this episode so that you might have opportunity to discern your heart faith condition, if I may put it that way. This uh, podcast is application intensive. You're going to track the results and we will return at a later podcast for some personal evaluation, if you will. However, the key objective is to deliberately trust God and refuse to worry about the outcomes. Now, this is, ch- this is going to be really challenging, but I'm asking you to immerse yourself in the task at hand, whatever it is, whatever the event, seeking to perform it to the best of one's ability and to attempt to do it in a manner that would be pleasing to the Lord and leave the results to him. Simply that, after each event or opportunity to trust, note some key observations, and this is what we will be doing, note some key observations, uh, which I think will provide valuable insights into your walk with God. Now, why is this exercise necessary? Because you need honest feedback. And I think self-examination is far easier for anyone to embrace because it provides the greatest amount of clarity. After all, you're examining yourself and, and we'll do this together. So I'm in this with you. And you ask, well, what is my role, Christian? Your role is to fix your mind on him, on the Lord, and simultaneously refuse to exercise care about the matter that you are about to enter into, whether at work, home, or play. And and we often think ahead on a desired outcome, or we, we attempt to mitigate a fear, or influence the direction of an event. And our challenge, and you'll hear me repeat this, is to refuse to influence but rather be willing to receive as from the Lord the unfolding and resulting outcomes. Basically, shift your mind from anxious thoughts to trusting expectations. The Lord promises to keep both heart and mind in perfect peace. That is what Isaiah states, if our minds are fixed on him. Our responsibility is to fix. His responsibility is the importation of peace. And uh, for example, during episode 30, I believe, The Seeing Eye, we addressed the unseen place, the unseen light, the unseen master. We're now expanding on those learnings and moving to the deeper things of God. Now, it is easier to believe and to trust God for an unseen place like heaven because we've never been there. And it requires no real effort or challenge to our faith to believe that there is a place beyond that is far better than where we are. Also, as regarding the unseen light, which is darkness, well, again, These are phenomenon associated with our fallen fleshly nature, a nature so deceitful that none can fathom it. And an unseen master whom we love and have entered into his grace. So there's no real challenge to our faith. And there's very little struggle with unbelief in embracing 
an unseen place, light, or master. And again, in episode 31, Worry is Blind, the challenge was brought closer home when the Lord Jesus addressed where people tended to store their treasures by using the uh, physiology of seeing to make the point and to make it personal by addressing our subservience to a master and termed us as being slaves. The Lord Jesus taught and challenged his hearers with being full of care about life sustenance, food and clothing. Birds and lilies became the object lessons illustrating God's providential love and care. And those objects became comparative markers for us to evaluate the measure of our faith's maturity. Additionally, the fundamental challenge in the episode Worry is Blind was how to uh, make the transition from the seen to the unseen. You might recall, Jesus used birds and flowers, seen things, to teach us about an unseen God and challenged us and his hearers to reprioritize our temporal concerns in a manner that deliberately makes the transition to actively trusting God for temporal needs. However, in an agrarian society such as they lived in, it might have been uh, essentially a fundamental challenge to obtaining uh, one's daily bread because they didn't have refrigerators to store their food. Now, our modern amenities removes that opportunity and challenge to trust God for daily bread. We don't have that challenge. However, we do have fundamental challenges in other arenas, and that is trusting God for circumstances external to the temporal, physical needs. Jesus fundamental point regarding the birds is that their provision is made by our Heavenly Father. Our Father nourishes them. Jesus made the declaration personal by saying, your Heavenly Father nourishes them. And, and please note, my friends, the objective of our vision and expectation is deliberately placing our trust in an unseen person. This is a volitional act. And this unseen person is in an unseen place. And we're setting, currently, we're setting the stage for that challenge. Those two podcasts really presents the challenge that we are now facing today in, in uh, today's podcast. And that is the objective of looking away from yourself to a person that is God who reveals himself as a very present help in time of trouble. We find that in Psalm 46, the first verse. Secondly, when Jesus made reference to the lilies, he points to the fact of their growth and their covering. That is, what is occurring on the inside to develop them and how they are clothed in beauty is a work of God. The Lord Jesus expanded upon the lack of effort and certainly no wasted energy on the part of these lilies 
There was no toil, no spinning, and yet they were arrayed in beauty. And that's the goal of walking by faith. That is allowing the Spirit of God to use external circumstances, external challenges, to compel and train us to trust God in the momentary circumstances. Again, the goal is allowing the Spirit of God to use external challenges to compel us and train us to trust God in momentary circumstances. Jesus gently rebukes them for their littleness of faith, that is, his audience at that time. And so we will embark on an exercise allowing us to examine ourselves and to see whether or not our faith is exercised in full confidence that our dependence is truly in the Lord, or am I vacillating between faith and doubt? Jesus often rebuked his followers for their little faith while praising others for their great faith. For example, the centurion uh, who had a servant that was ill and near death, and also the Grecian woman who had a demon-possessed daughter. And so it is possible I believe, to know what the measure of our faith is, and based on the examples in scriptures, we can see clearly where we are on the continuum of resting on God's faithfulness. And so the problem statement is simply this. Do we exercise energy and effort, whether to mitigate unwelcome outcomes, as in as Jesus taught in Matthew 6. And this is clear evidence of walking by sight. When we, when we make efforts to mitigate unwelcome outcomes, we're walking by sight and are in need of traversing the bridge which leads to active dependence on the invisible, ever-present, actively working God. And so the solution is simply this. For the believer to establish God's rule as a fundamental element in our spiritual life and relying on the promise, hear this, that our Heavenly Father will add the things that I have need of, whether externally or internally, as regarding the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, we are given the promise in Philippians uh, 2 and 13 that it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This ever-present Spirit of God will work in us to produce and manifest Christ in us, the hope of glory. Secondly, we, we can talk about investment, the goal. The goal is simply this, to receive from God's hand each event as his perfect plan for that hour. And while receiving it, worship and be engaged with him. Tall order, you say. Well, in 1 Kings 17, verses 3 and 4, we have Elijah's example. And God made provision for Elijah by simply saying uh, in, in those verses, and the word of Jehovah came to him, that is Elijah, saying, get you hence and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is before Jordan. And it shall be 
that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah, in obedience to God, proclaimed at that time to King Ahab that based on his interactions with God, that is, uh, Elijah's interactions with God, rain will, will be withheld and it will only come again by Elijah's intervention. And then the prophet was then instructed to go to the brook Cherith, and there God would make provision for him. And the man of God knows beforehand that a crisis is coming. Why? Because he's praying to that end. And we'll see shortly as we look at a verse in Deuteronomy. But we see that Elijah's heart is fixed solely on Jehovah to make provision for him during this coming crisis. And it is a crisis that he has asked for in prayer. He's asked for it to come because of what Moses declared that Jehovah will do in response to the nations apostatizing to idolatry. And God continues uh, to provide for Elijah until that brook dried up. And that expectation is what garrisoned the heart of the prophet. Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17 says, Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. And this was to Israel, of course, before they entered into the land. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods, and bow down to them. And Jehovah's wrath uh, is kindled against you. And he shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, and that the ground yield not its produce. So the very thing that, that uh, Moses is foretelling, Elijah, knowing that the people have gone uh, headstrong, if you will, directly to serve idols, now petitions God, shut up the heavens based on your word. And so it is important to note that at no point in this experience uh, did Elijah express any concern for his welfare. This is a very vital point. This is the walk of the spiritual man. The man whose heart is fixed on the Lord as his perfect provision in that hour. The scriptures tell us in 1 Kings 17, 7 and 8, And it came to pass after a while that the torrent dried up, the torrent being the brook, for there had been no rain in the land. And at this point, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the second time and told him, Go to Zarephath, and behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to maintain you. And so, my friends, this is, this is where the challenge resides. It is simply this, and I'm reiterating this because you're going to see later on why I'm reiterating this. Are we able to step into an event as we see it approaching with absolute confidence that God is in control of this event and that it could not come our way unless it has passed through the filter of his love with this intent to strengthen our faith. Here is the challenge to you. I'm going to be asking you to create a spiritual journal as we will be using it as a record, cataloging uh, our observations and learnings as you, we, establish the practice of walking with God. 
And I'm asking you to invest yourself in every unfolding uh, circumstance with one heart objective, consciously endeavoring to trust the Lord with all your heart while simultaneously refusing to exercise care, not fearing the imagined outcome that could possibly come as we fear it in our hearts. I acknowledge that this requires a, a, a paradigm shift both in our thought process and in the expectation of the heart in terms of what we anticipate will come to pass. What I've learned is we either fear an imagined outcome while we simultaneously seek to mitigate the results of this thing we fear or we rest in the revelation of who God is and allow him to unfold the circumstance without any preconceived expectation on our part. This shift is critical. It's critical to move from attempting to mitigate results and simply trust God and allow him to unfold the circumstance without any expectation on our part. And so we will be actively shifting our dependence from self in every form over to the mighty hand of God, willing to submit to his care without knowing what the outcome will be, but trusting that he will give what is needed in that hour for my good as promised. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that are the call, for those who love God, etc. In Matthew 10, 17 to 20, uh, our Lord Jesus began to tell the disciples that they were being sent forth. And this is just an example. They were sent forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And his exhortations were, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And again, you will be delivered up before the various councils and scourged. And again, you will be brought before governors and kings for testimony. And so this promise applicable to each scenario, each of the three uh, aforementioned scenarios, the Lord Jesus went on to say, but when they deliver you up, well, deliver you up as harmless, deliver you up before councils and scourges, deliver you up before governors and kings for testimony. When they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. And the Lord Jesus went on to say, For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks in you. And here's the point of his exhortation. The Lord Jesus is giving them great assurances that the indwelling Holy Spirit will in the hour when it is most needed, impart the grace that is needed just for that hour. And in their particular situation, grace was provided to speak and to give testimony. And my exhortation to you is that grace will be given to receive the outcome of your circumstances, whatever it is that you or I encounter, as the preordained provision of a wise and loving father. We don't have to exercise care about it. 
just as they were given what they should speak, we will be given what is needful for that hour. In Daniel chapter 3, the, the first to the 30th uh, verse, essentially the whole chapter, uh, we come to that, that heated moment, <laughs> no pun intended, in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the golden image. In that event, he gave them a final opportunity, which, if they refused to worship the image, they would be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace immediately with this challenge echoing in their ears. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And my dear beloved friends, please pay attention, close attention to the response that these three young men gave. In verse 16, they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In verse 17, they said, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, But if not, be known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your God nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And so we observe these young men and marvel <laughs> at their their boldness in the face of death. And I want you to pay even closer attention to the thought of their hearts. It was simply that Jehovah, whom they serve, is the object of their devotion. It is Jehovah with whom they walk and who is able to deliver them. But it was a clear expectation in their minds for an anticipated deliverance while simultaneously allowing God room if he chose not to deliver. It was well with them to suffer destruction. Now remember, they're ordinary people just like us. That said, I subscribe to you once more that it is possible for the believing saint to walk into any circumstance, whatever it is, whatever life present, uh, presents, however unpredictable, and receive it, embrace it, believing beyond doubt that God and God alone, with whom there are no surprises, has allowed this event for my benefit, my growth, my learning concerning his ways, the deepening of my devotion and love for him, he has ordained it for good and will cause it to work for good. My sole task in that hour is to trust him and him alone. Thirdly, ignorance. <laughs> Worry or fear is the outgrowth of our Ignorance concerning the outcome of a new or unfamiliar circumstance. You see, we have no idea what the mind of God is for us in that very hour. And we are often crippled by our sense of foreboding, resulting in futile attempts to orchestrate events to move in our favor. In Genesis 41, 1-41, 
we have a marvelous circumstance illustrating the providential care of God in spite of how events look on its surface. And this can be found in the life of Joseph. Number one, Joseph was loved of his father. Number two, he was hated by his brothers. They plotted his murder. <laughs> they subsequently sold him into slavery. Thirdly, they uh, Joseph was betrayed and maligned by Potiphar's wife, which resulted in his imprisonment. And fourth, subsequent to, to interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, uh, uh, I should say, interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh's chief butler and chief baker, he was forgotten for two years. And so, my friends, again, I subscribe to you that if we looked at, at uh, the circumstances on its surface, we must conclude this is an unfortunate series of events that would cause anyone to believe that God is not with them. And we are told in, in, in the 41st chapter of Genesis, <laughs> at the very beginning, and it came to pass at the end of two years, uh, Pharaoh dreamed a dream. <laughs> and behold, he stood by the river. These words give assurance that God is cognizant of his work in our lives and he has a plan. He has an outcome. He has a desired blessing. And this cannot be packaged in any other way except in the circumstance that we find ourselves beginning to approach. For Joseph, this package contained plans to make him the savior of that Middle Eastern region, while at the same time God had a bigger plan to bring a very small family, a small nation, the nation of Israel, into Egypt, which at the time comprised about 70 souls, and for the next 400 plus years, he would create a great nation only to deliver them by the shepherd staff of Moses. Parallel to Joseph's life events, is this event in Jacob's life. Having heard that the prime minister of Egypt was holding Simeon, his, his son, as prisoner until Benjamin is presented, which would facilitate uh, uh, Simeon's release, jo uh, Jacob found himself trying to orchestrate circumstances so that they would not unfold as being against him. And, and my friends, this is exactly what we do. We attempt to orchestrate or reorchestrate events and influence the outcomes because we foresee an unfavorable outcome. And in truth and in fact, what we are doing when we do this is suggesting by our behavior and sentiments that God is not in control of this event. That's what we're saying. And so I urge you and challenge you to consider this podcast as the one that provides opportunity to know and experience what you truly believe about God. Why? Because you will scrutinize your own heart and determine whether or not you really trust the hand of the living God confirming if he, in fact, causes all things to work together for your good. Secondly, you will begin to see the level of your trust in God by monitoring the degree of fear <laughs> in your heart as an unknown outcome. You're going to see it for yourself, I assure you. Thirdly, 
you will also have opportunity to trust God in an active way and begin to learn to walk with God, transferring your trust from your ability to orchestrate or reorchestrate any outcome over to lovingly resting in the truth of God's providential care and love for you. As the scripture exhorts, cast your care upon me, for I care for you. And again, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the promise of the Lord Jesus. And so there's no need to orchestrate, whether in currying favor as Joseph did with the chief butler, asking him to remember him because he was unjustly imprisoned, or in Israel's case, where he was seeking to orchestrate some way to get sustenance for the family without having to deliver up Benjamin. Lastly, inadequacy. Fear and excess care is often exercised because of the unpredictable nature of life events and the distressing thought is we might not have a solution and we are going to be left to flounder helplessly. <laughs> Why do we fear and exercise care? Why do we do it? At the heart of this disposition is the belief, sadly, in the inadequacy of God. It's not enough. God is not enough is what we're saying. God is not enough for this circumstance. And we have not come to that place in our hearts and in our believing where we are convinced that God is truly for us. And yet, the scriptures are replete with promises that challenges this heart belief. For example, David, Psalm 57.1, Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. <laughs> the promise and request of David clearly shows that there is an expectation of grace from God while simultaneously a reminder to the Lord that I, David, you, we, all of us, are finding our refuge in him. As David said, our refuge is in the living God. And I urge you to go, therefore, to God in that moment of fear, deliberately endeavoring to trust him. Again, Isaiah 25, 4. For you, that is God, has been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a rainstorm against a wall. Isaiah is clear, reminding God that we, all of us, are helpless without him. And he is our defense in distressing times. If not, then we are at risk. And for the circumstances, they appear as elements pressuring us to come to God as our protecting shade. This is the heart disposition with which we are before the living God, who is our 
Father. We acknowledge that there's no resource in us. There's no capacity in me. And by faith, we are actively seeking to lean on him immediately as we see the circumstance approaching. John 17, 11. This is a really great promise. And this is the Lord Jesus praying before he was taken prisoner and, and, and uh, condemned to death and so forth. And he says, I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. The Lord Jesus gives added assurance as he's committing our care to the Father prior to becoming, prior to him becoming the sacred sin offering. The keeping of our souls, our welfare, is no longer our responsibility, but that of the Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. And so, my beloved friends, I urge you to cast your cares upon him in the immediate, not future, in the immediate circumstance and challenge the inclination to worry. Challenge it, resist it actively. And so, my friends, I say in closing, I present a simple challenge. This is a very simple challenge. I've, I've been exhorting you throughout this podcast and, and setting the stage for a, a, a challenge that a child can do. Firstly, I want you to create a spiritual diary, whether in a notebook or an electronic notebook. It makes no difference. Next, every day, for the next 15 or 30 days, as you or I anticipate events that are, that, that, that are planned or happenstance, that we enter into the circumstance as it begins to unfold, and in entering in, simply commit yourself to God in that moment. Having done so, ask the Lord to become your refuge, the one upon whom you are leaning, and tell him, you are looking to him to bring to pass in your life his perfect will. And ask him to use this circumstance to deepen your faith and to grow you. Simultaneously, I'm asking you to subdue the urge to panic, to become fearful. So we are committing ourselves to God. We are trusting him as our refuge. And that fear that, that surfaces within our being... I'm challenging you to, to, to challenge it, to subdue it, to consciously refuse to give in to anxious thoughts and, and consciously place your full expectation in the promise of God to care for you. Fight, my friends, the urge to worry. Resist it and quiet your heart, if need be, with a song, a psalm, a quiet prayer in the presence of God and go into that circumstance boldly with one expectation that God will bring you into it, take you through it, and bring you out of it. As David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then lastly, I want you to note the results of this circumstance and all the circumstances throughout this day noted in your journal. Now, again, 
perhaps just as an example, you may be going to work and you have a very important meeting. And in preparing for that meeting, there's some angst, some, some anticipation, some worry, some fear. At that moment, challenge the fear, refuse to, to engage in anxious, anxious thoughts, and deliberately trust God, lean on him, refusing to take up that fearful thought and go into that circumstance, allowing him to unfold it and to give you what is needed, whether in response or in your presentation or whatever it be, rather than being fearful. And so I want you to describe the circumstance or circumstances in your journal that occurred, for example, at the end of the day. I want you to describe your inner experience, exactly how you felt. Describe the struggle, if it's applicable. I want you to note uh, if you consciously refused to worry and cast it on the Lord, and if you entrusted yourself to walk with God through the circumstance, looking only to the Lord, or if perhaps the entire day was filled with struggle. Whatever it is, I want you to note it. And then lastly, of course, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, uh, 1 being the lowest effort and 10 being the best effort, how successful were you in relying on God and walking with God throughout the day, encountering every circumstance? And I want you to continue this exercise for the next two to four weeks. Note your progress. Note if you are growing. Note if your faith is being strengthened. Or you might find that you are quite fearful. And that gives you a good barometer as to the level and depth of your trust in God. This is an exercise that reveals your heart. And God willing, we are going to resume this topic in a future podcast. This is not over. This is very important. We are. This is application heavy. And so in about 20 or 30 days, we will uh, circle back to this event and uh, note some of the learnings. I'm doing this with you, even though I've done it before, but I'm doing it with you and I'll share my results with you. And so my friends, until then, I exhort you, I encourage you, I ask you to take time to step away. Take time to walk with God beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.